It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 29 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and with me as always is my co-host, a woman so nice, we record her part twice. Hey Jules. <laughs> I know you really didn't have technical difficulties. You just wanted to speak to me again. Uh, good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Jules. Uh, we've got some TV to talk about. We've got awesome two wonderful shows we're going to be reviewing. Um, we've got a bit of a theme in this week's episode, I think. It's all about perception and memory. Um, so I feel sort of... Uh, We've got uh, got something going there with The Missing and The Affair. And we're all go- also going to be speaking about the podcast that um, everyone's listening to, besides TV Chinwag, of course, and that's yeah. The Serial. So, uh, but first of all, some news. As we were talking about last week, um, Michelle McLaren, a TV director who uh, people will know from shows such as Breaking Bad uh, and Game of Thrones, has been picked to direct the new Wonder Woman movie. I, I mean, I think that's great. I think Michelle McLaren's awesome. Uh, she's a Vancouver girl, so I can't uh, say anything bad. I mean, she, uh, I think she, she worked, and grew up here or something. Um, she worked in the X Files here as a producer. Um, you know, it's always interesting to see television directors going to movies. Well, movies it's a rare, it's TV, a rare thing, I think isn't it? It's easier. Mm, it's a rare well, thing, though. They're isn't very. It? I mean, it's the same title, but they're very different animals. Um, in television especially in a serial, if you come in as a director of the week, you have very little control as to what happens. I mean, the actors already know their characters. You're not telling the, you know, there's no character development. You're not saying, you know, I think your character feels like this. No. Um, <laughs> no, I've been doing it for a hundred episodes. It, exactly. <laughs> art direction is already taken care of and they know what it's supposed to look like. So even uh, the DP knows exactly what it's going to look like. So, as a television director, you're really coming in and saying, well, I want the camera to move from here to here, and I want this actor to move from here to here through the scene, and I want it to play out like this. So you really are, are really camera-focused at this point. You know, maybe you do a bit of casting and stuff like that, but you're, you're limited to what you can do. Maybe prop choices and things like that. With a movie, you are now essentially the showrunner. I mean, you're talking about your character's development and what that character would actually act like and, and how that would happen and everything from picking the curtains to uh, picking the cast. So it's a little bit uh, all right, it's a heck of a lot more work and you have substantially more control now michelle mclaren coming from a producing background you know she's obviously going to be aware of all that all that intricacy that has to go into the director's job so yeah i mean i think that could be that could be really fantastic and you know we don't know She's done a great job with the shows that she's worked on but again you're really kind of cookie cuttering it in television so you know, can can she create new and interesting and wonderful out of nothing? I don't know. I, I, I look forward to seeing it. Personally, I find it, uh, the Wonder Woman movie, I don't know if it's doable, if it's something that can be done well. Um, I think it's, I think anything can be done well. I also think... 
anything can be done yeah. badly. So, <laughs> Except um, for an X-Men movie. <laughs> oh, Ryan. Um, I know. Yes. Uh, look, and there's obviously a huge weight of expectation on... Um, on the movie, not just because finally a Wonder Woman movie, but also I think DC's feeling a bit under the gun in when it comes to the movie stakes. I mean, the Marvel verse has certainly been ruling in terms of box office. Um, we've of course got um, Wonder Woman will make an appearance in Superman versus Batman, which is coming out next year. Um, oh God! But yeah, they've got uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the DC movie verse at the moment and extra so on Wonder Woman but look good on Michelle McLaren and um, you know if um, if it doesn't work out and if she doesn't like it I am sure there will be many TV shows that are happy to have her back Um, now last week we reviewed Constantine Uh, speaking of uh, Constantine's DC isn't it Yes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of DC and uh, based on the Hellblazer comics, um, and unfortunately we were we were raving about Constantine and how it had you know, had a little bit of a rocky start, but it had um, was you know just around episode four and five was really starting to find its feet. Uh, but it was announced this week that uh, they're not extending the initial fifteen ep uh, order of the first season. Um, as often you get new shows, they'll be given a sort of a half-season run and, and normally you expect around this time that they'll then say, oh, yes, you're wonderful, go and do 22 eps. Um, that hasn't happened with Constantine. Is this is this a death knell, Ryan? It, it very well could be. I mean, it's, it's really close. And the make or break is going to be the reviews is going to be getting the ratings up it, week by week getting the ratings up and it really it's going to hinge on social media it's going to hinge on the save constantine and the people getting on twitter people getting on facebook and pumping it up and promoting it that sort of thing will make the difference in this in this instance where you know nbc can see it's nbc right nbc i think so uh nbc can look at it and say you know what if we just put a little bit of extra effort into this uh we're going to have a hit show on our hands yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I certainly think um, it's it's earned it at this point. Um, but you know, that's television. We've seen Gotham um, not getting amazing ratings. Uh, it's been solid, but um, certainly not getting critical rave reviews. Um, yet it got, um, in fact, had only planned to do a fifteen ep first season run, and then they've given it twenty three. Apparently, not entirely to the pleasure of the the um, writers Um, so you know and I think I think it's a well you know that's television but I think it's a pity with Constantine I do think it's um, it's doing what it does quite well for early on in the season I think we're we had episode six this week Um, but they uh, now you you had said that episode six was actually the second episode. Yeah, and they so as we talked, showed it out of order. Yeah, as we talked about last week, they did the pilot where they had a character live as the sidekick. They decided not to go in that direction. They recast the you know the sidekick role uh, as a character called Zed. That was filmed as episode three. This episode two, which is uh, sidekickless. Um, is now being shown at episode six for whatever reason. I think obviously they wanted to bring the Zed character in as quickly as possible. Um, I think that's the only me- me- messing around with the schedule they're doing. Um, 
but it, it always gives you pause for thought when uh, the network starts doing that. We saw last season with Almost Human, the Carl Urban, uh, Michael Eels uh, vehicle, which I was really enjoying, but they shuffled those, you know, first 10 episodes like a deck of cards, and that um, that didn't help for the... Um, uh, you know, the fact that it got cancelled at all. And Firefly, yeah. Fly, of course, was another famous example. Um, yeah. So, look, get out there, people. It is a show. At this point, there, there's very little myth arc. Um, so you can jump in at any point. Um, I would yeah, almost say don't would... watch the pilot. Yeah, um, yeah. Jump in at episode too, but you could jump in this week. You know, there's not going to be stuff you're not going to understand. Uh, genre audiences are very savvy. You'll you, you'll pick up uh, things pretty quickly. Uh, we all know yeah. about angels and demons and spells and exorcisms. So, um, Probably, uh, I yeah. don't think you'll have any trouble at all. And I really think Matt Ryan, who plays Constantine, I think is doing a bang up job. I think the casting there was really, really right on the new uh, on the on the money. Um, so look, uh, hashtag save Constantine, everyone. Yeah, and you know, NBC is actually doing something interesting this week. They're sending the next three episodes out to reviewers wow. at once. So seven, eight, and nine are going out to the reviewers. So they must feel pretty confident in the better half of the season. Um, you know, I told you that somebody had known on the inside had said that it gets better after f- four is good, five is, and then it gets really, really good. So. That might be what they're putting out there for people to really take notes and say, hey, you know what? There is something here. I don't think that they have time to continue this season, but it could bring them back next season for a longer season. Yeah, oh, well, I hope so. Uh, we'll sit, I'll certainly be tuning in um, to watch more of it. As we said, uh, good stories, looks fantastic, um, and and fun. Um I think that was all the all the big news I had for uh, this week. Uh, so well, something kind of exciting came out this week. No, I came out years ago, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, you came out a long, long ago in a land far, far away. <laughs> also coming out this week was a little trailer. Oh. What is that? Eighty-second trailer. Eighty-eight seconds of a little show what sort about of fanboy space are and you? wars. Eighty-eight seconds. <laughs> Eighty-eight seconds. The Did you ever see that De Niro movie or Pacino movie? No, I, I, it was an absolute disaster. It oh. was a movie Pacino put out. They filmed in Vancouver, and it got thrown out. I think that was what it was called. Eighty-eight seconds. Anyways, um, apparently one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, so yes. one of the best movies ever made was, in our opinion, Star Wars. Whom Jules, you saw as a young nerdy girl. Um, oh, I did. Not yet out of uh, out of high school. I'm I sure. was fourteen when um, yeah. Star Wars came out. I was primed and ready. I was already a sci-fi nerd, a science nerd, um, and uh, you know the memory of of watching that opening scene uh is you know etched forever um and i loved it uh so of course as as with many of us i was um battered over the years by later iterations um but i have to say watching this um this trailer it uh, pinged all my nostalgia buttons and um oh, there was more than a wee bit of excitement about uh, what we're going to see in a year's time i mean it's jj abrams so i'm taking it in that context um but it sort of had everything in the trailer that 
I needed to make me excited. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's a year away, so obviously I'm... <laughs> You're not ramped up already. Go- you camping out? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I don't camp for anything, including camping. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely want to see it on opening night. I'm going to get tickets in advance. I'd love to go with my buddy, Travis, who, you know, we have been Star Wars fans before we even knew there were Star Wars fans. I, mean, I remember, I, here's something funny. I remember visiting my dad. It was probably 92, and uh, he says, oh, I, I signed up and I got an internet account and I can dial up here and... You know, look. So I got him to dial up, and the first thing we did was went to news groups. All the binaries about Star Wars. <laughs> yes. It was the first thing yes. I looked at on the internet. Was all the binaries about Star Wars because that was in '92. There was only just rumors, like news group rumors, that um, it was going to be made. And it wasn't until probably the next year that we picked up a magazine, a Star Wars magazine, and they talked about making the prequels. And we at the time said. Man, that's going to be 2,000 by the time they come out, or 99. We're going to be like 28 or 27. (laughs) That's crazy, man. If we're still watching Star Wars, what a bunch of nerds we are. So I won't tell you how old I'm going to be when the next one comes out, but uh, I'll be there opening night to see it. And I think it's going to be good. I just hope, you know, there's something that is very special about Star Wars, obviously. There's something, whether it's in the language that they use or the, the... whatever it is that makes it specifically Star Warsian. And I hope that Abrams captures that. And I know he's been a Star Wars fan his whole life like like we have, but I just hope that that's there. I wasn't crazy about the Star Trek remixes. They didn't no. have the je ne sais quoi of Star Trek. Well, I think, I think what it, you know, I've said about the Star, his Star Trek movies is that he made a sci- science fiction movies into action movies. Um, right. You know, the, he did take it. You know, is Star Wars an action movie? No, it's a science fiction movie. Uh. I mean, it's you know the, my, my complaint, particularly with the last Star Trek, was you know the whole climax of it takes place on Earth in the street. Right. You know, it could have been Die Hard right. seventeen, um, yeah, with Benedict Cumber, what's his face? Um, and, yeah. and you're right. Look, uh, I think the point is that there, there is no essential Star Wars at this point. We've had six movies. There have been I don't know how many years of the animated series there's been endless uh novelizations and that's not even counting the uh probably millions of you know fan fics written out there so everyone's going to have their own concept of of what star wars is um and you know the next movie will possibly be bits of all of those and maybe none of them um you know they'll we know from the trailer there's there's certainly some icon you know, icons that were there. There's, there's a new looking lightsaber. There's uh, there were stormtroopers. There were tie fighters. So um, all that familiar stuffs there. Um, what else we see? We know, of course, that we've got um, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill making some sort of appearance in the in the movie. Uh, so. Uh, it will be what it is. Uh, we will. Uh, there will be endless discussions on the internet, uh, and it, it is incredible. Like within twenty four hours of uh, that trailer airing, I mean, the amount already of fan art that's out there, analysis of the trailer. Yeah. Someone's already done a Lego recreation of the trailer. <laughs> Someone's right. already done the um, a spoof George Lucas's director's cut of the trailer. <laughs> 
putting right. in, you know, uh, Jabba the Hutt and various other things. Uh, so, look, it, it's it's going to be a year of um, uh, a year of more speculation and heightened expectations. Uh, we'll either be um, happy or sad or bitterly disappointed, um, but I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. It, it will be uh, it will be a year of. I'm sure there'll be another trailer that comes out in what four months, five months time, and there'll be stills uh, and, and posters and yeah, some merchandising coming mm, out. And yes, Burger King will announce that you know they're doing the whatever. Um, <laughs> great, I, I look forward to it. I hope they bring out the collector's glasses like they had back in the seventies. <laughs> Those are awesome. Uh, look, all I'm saying is I hope that we see Princess Leia in a gold bikini again. Well, I, I will always take that. We can always have more Slave Girl Leia. Although, you know, deep down I am really hoping we get at least a Jar Jar cameo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen, do you? Oh, come on. Can't we have grandson so- of Jar Jar? <laughs> like, that would crack everyone up. Seriously, at oh, this God. point, even just in the background, just or maybe you know, just 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 walking past in the background or something. What if the, there's a big mystery and it turns out that Jar Jar caused the disappearance of Luke Skywalker? Or something? <laughs> what if the the kids go to rescue Luke and they find out he's being held captive by Jar Jar, who just couldn't take it anymore, being uh, ridiculed in the Senate? What what if what <laughs> so if <he's>... Leia <laughs> ended up real actually dumping Han and hooking up with a a descendant of Jar Jar? <laughs> That's hot. <gasps> And I hope Jabba the Hutt's yeah. back because I love Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> well, he's dead. Well, they killed him. Remember? I know, but it's Star Wars. I mean, you know, he could come back as a ghost. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Oh, come on! The, 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 he'll be reanimated with with med, with with Uber midichlorians or something. Anyway, oh, it's probably a good thing you yes. and I aren't writing the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We will update you, everyone, with our ongoing thoughts and speculations endlessly until you all stop listening. But what will be better, the new Star Wars or the Superman versus Batman? God, seriously, I can't even. No, you don't have to answer that. I I just uh, uh, that movie is going to be a fucking train. Yes, but just one one more thing that I am excited for: Jurassic World. Yeah, really? Dinosaurs! I am never going to n- yeah, not love yeah. dinosaurs. I don't care. One thing I'm looking forward to is Warcraft. Yeah, when does that come out? 2016. Bloody hell. The end of 2016, yeah. <laughs> Takes a while. Yeah, they're taking two years to do the visuals. <laughs> Did they film anything or is it all? <laughs> yeah, everything's filmed. <laughs> well, that's what I'm, it's all filmed. Two years, wow. I thought it was yeah. just going to be like Isn't screenshots from people playing the games that are edited together. No? That would be good. No? Yeah. Oh, well. We can make that. <laughs> we can make that. <laughs> there's, there's next weekend's work. Okay, everyone. Now yeah. we're going to talk television with a, a BBC series that's being shown on Stars, The Missing, and Showtime series, The Affair. Okay, which one? Is, you know what? Let's start. Uh, let's talk about Showtime's The Affair. Mr. Soloway, I'd like to ask how this whole mess got started. When I look back, I, 
I can't tell you what happened. Miss Bailey, why don't you tell me how it began? It was so long ago. Who remembers? I never cheated on Ellen. You ever cheated on your husband? No. What has all this got to do with what happened? Trying to figure out if anyone might have had a motive. I thought it was an accident. Do you have a secret, Detective? One you don't even want to tell yourself? I think you do. I think everybody does. Yes, new series uh, this season. It um, stars some people we know very well and haven't seen for a while, a couple of them. Uh, Dominic West, we know as McNulty from The Wire. Uh, Ruth Wilson, who we talked about recently from um, Luther. Uh, Joshua Jackson, well-known and uh, most recent series was Fringe. And Maura Tierney, who a lot of people will remember from ER days, but also more recently on Newsroom. So some big names there. The Affair. Got a name that was pretty much uh, guaranteed to make me go, not going to be a show for me. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and the basic premise is that you have a family, the Soloways, who uh, live in New York. He's a school teacher slash writer. Um, no idea what his uh, wife does. They've got four teenage, oh no, four children ranging from sort of 16, 17 down to about, what, seven or eight? Um, yeah, about that, yeah. And they're going to spend the summer on uh, at Montauk on Long Island, um, while with their parents with with the very rich uh, parents, the uh, Moritiani's, um, who's Helen Soloway. They're her parents. Uh, her father's an asshole uh, and a writer. Uh, her mother's um, archly witty. <laughs> And, but also quite horrible. And they're really rich. They have two tennis courts and a swimming pool. Uh, and they live in this little resort town and their paths cross with uh, a local family uh, there who are the uh, Lockharts, uh, Alison Lockhart, ex-nurse, now waitress. Uh, uh, her partner, played by Joshua Jackson, Cole Lockhart, uh, who runs the family horse riding business. and. Dominic West plays Noah Soloway, and he and Ellison have an affair. But that that's is the least simplest. <laughs> that's the least interesting part of, and that's that's what I was like. Well, what do I care about this? Um, right. I'm not heterosexual. I'm not monogamous, and uh, I don't have any children. So really, not hitting any, uh, <laughs> not hitting no, any it, notes. It sounds for me. like a thirty-something uh, who gives a flying fuck if yes. people want it. But what's uh, interesting however, about this, Ryan? <laughs> tell us what's interesting. What's interesting about this is you come to realize, I think, at the end of the first episode or middle, I guess that. The story being told to you as you're watching it is is actually evidence given during a police interview. A detective is interviewing each of our characters, um, 
Noah, our main character, or the woman who's uh, played by uh, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, sorry, Ruth Wilson, mm, yeah. Alison Lockhart, uh, the one who has the affair. Um, they're telling the story to the detective individually, but the interesting part of this is they tell the same story from their point of views, and they're varied different views. So he tells the story about, you know, oh, and then I went to the restaurant and my daughter started choking and so I helped her and uh, she coughed up the marble because I patted her on the back and saved the day. When she tells the story, she tells it that he, he she's choking and she doesn't know what to do, so Ruth comes and pats her on the back and clears the marble. So it's it's the same stories from different point of views, but and, the stories just slightly change a little and bit. And even more subtly than that, things like uh, uh, he remembers going into the restaurant and there's this, you know, uh, Hollywood hot waitress with her short skirt riding up her ass and, you know, almost like the, her hair blowing in the wind and she looks gorgeous and she's, you know, giving him the sort of come-hither look and touching him. Her memory is she looks like shit. <laughs> right, yeah. She's sort of yes. like, she doesn't... And for, he's kind of For reasons we're him. not aware of to start with, she really doesn't want to wait on their table, but she ends up doing it. Um, and the, it's actually those subtleties of perception about... Um, how you see yourself and you see each other and memory, yes, I suppose. Yes, and so every yes, episode, yes. although except episode four so far, but every episode is divided into Alison's view and Noah's uh, point of view, but almost half, half and half. They don't tell mm-hmm. exactly the same story because obviously there are things that happen to them when they're not together. And um, right. so that's how you get to fill out the other parts of their of their life and and find out more about them and it's it's um it's a fascinating device and I think it's done really really well here um to really highlight the fact that um uh we all we all have our own version of the truth yeah and it's it can be widely different and it it's interesting what you see from the man's perspective and what you see from the women's perspective like when they meet on the beach and in his in his version, he's walking down and she's standing there and she says, "Oh, you found me." Um, and he's like, "Oh, I I didn't know that you were going to be here or something." And in her version, he's walking down the beach and he says, "Oh, I found you." As in, he's kind of stalking her. <laughs> it's kind of this weird juxtaposition in how how it comes across. Well, um, in 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 his scene, she's wearing a super low cut shirt. In hers, it's it's done up and she's not showing cleavage. Yeah, and um, you know, and it's fascinating too that you know they both have their own version of how the affair starts, um, uh, what draws them to. together uh, who's the aggressor or the initiator in the relationship um and and it's also what she wants to tell like or he um, you know like he leaves certain parts of the story out when she doesn't or vice versa right he tells the story where they actually fuck and she says that the night ended with them kissing yeah yes yeah no that it's um as I said, it's both perception and memory at, at, at play here. Um, and so you're getting this story, you know, built up from both sides. And as I said, you also then get to uh, see other bits about his uh, relationship with his family and hers as well. You find out a bit more about, you know, what's happened in, uh, which I don't want to give away, but uh, not a huge spoiler, but still it's nice to see it unroll. But, you know, there are things happening in her life that he's, you know, he's totally aware of. He, he 
you know, initially just sees her as this sort of, you know, hot waitress in a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, you know, again, she doesn't know uh, a lot about him and what's going on with his home life and the fact that he's, you know, he's under this incredible pressure to write his second novel. Um, uh, and, you know, he's got this, you know, it's something a lot, you know, it's not an unusual situation, a fraught relationship where he's, uh, he and his wife have accepted money from her parents to buy their three-storey brownstone in New York and, right. um, you know, and that's held over them, you know, uh, held over them as, or, or is what keeps them, you know, spending the summer with this absolutely uh, horrible pair of people that even the kids don't like. <laughs> and yeah. and it's that you know it's that thing. It's like they've voluntarily put themselves in this position. So really, you know, suck it up, Buttercup. On the other hand, who wants to spend their time with people who are absolutely horrible? Uh, you know, and, and I the- wonder. Like, I'm sorry, I've only gotten to the third episode, but do you ever see it from? Like the parents' perspective or the kids? No, or I'm pretty sure from what I've read as well, I'm a bit further along than you are, that it, it is it basically splits down to, to Noah and Ellison's point of view. And my only okay. criticism at this point would be I would like uh, at this point I haven't we haven't seen much of um Helen Soloway, her role in things and she's pretty absent other than, you know, Sort of his wife. His wife. Um, there's a little, yeah. little bits here and there, but um, we haven't. Even from his perspective, we haven't seen. Uh, and maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is, from his point of view, she's pretty absent from his world, except you know they fuck occasionally. Uh, you know, I mean, there's yeah. no sense that it's, this is not a relationship on the rocks or anything like that. This is a pretty. Yeah. It's a pretty average family. Um, if you don't want to have kids, watch this because oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my point of view. Uh, so there's a there's a classic. There's a 16 year old teenage girl who's nearly a woman, uh, you know, who's resentful of having to spend, you know, her summer here and is trying to find what fun she can. There's there's one of the boys who's probably like 13 or 14 who's obviously got something. Um, going on with him but we haven't really sort of visited that very much there's um you know stuff going on there but it's it's a normal it's normal inverted commas uh it's a pretty average family you know and they're well off and um you know they're they're not lacking for anything um so the that's part of the interest and the same with her um uh Ruth Wilson's character, Alison, is she's married. Um, you know, she, her husband Cole and and she are both you know got families who've lived on on this uh, this town forever. Um, she's had a you know recently something happened to her that's affected her. Um, uh, but you know, she again her relationship with her husband is not one that's terrible. Um, it has issues, but. Um, uh, there's no sense that uh, you know it's at its end of it, you know it's coming to an end or anything. So I think it's an interesting, um, it's a more complex portrayal of why people in this relationship would seek out someone else and do something that uh, you know they're both aware obviously would um, be devastating if it became known. Um, mm-hmm. Neither of them in, always in, seem to be enjoying it, but they're drawn to something in each other. But it is this alternating point of views that just make it fascinating and make you think so much about um, interactions you have with other people. <laughs> it's like, oh, my yes, God, you yes. know, their story of that would be so different. And I know we all know that, um, but 
having it presented this way, I think, makes you really aware of the fact that you do live your life through your own point of view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, are you enjoying it, Ryan? Yeah, very much so, actually. And uh, like you, I, there's no way I thought this would be interesting. I mean, I don't really care. I don't really care enough that uh, I would get involved with somebody's life or an affair. I don't like affairs to begin with. I think that it's terrible. So to see it to see it played out like this, I think, is really interesting. And like I was messaging you on Twitter saying, you've got to watch this. You have to watch it because I knew it wasn't <laughs> on your radar as far as being interesting. But the way it's oh, delivered yeah. and... and, and, and um, you know the interesting way it's written. I think is just is just fascinating. Really, really cool. Now the over. Um, sorry, the, uh, uh, the guy who um, started or one of the creators, Haggai Levi, is his name. Haggai Levi. Yeah, uh, he's an Israeli. He did the HBO show In Treatment. I don't know if you ever saw that. I saw an episode or two, and I believe his co-creator on this. She also wrote for it uh, a couple, a few episodes. Right. So uh, yeah. I, I saw one or two episodes because uh, someone had mentioned it to me. It wasn't really my sort of thing. Okay, gotcha. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways, it's it's interesting enough uh, uh, show. That's for sure. Uh, and yeah, it, this is. It's it's a different um, approach, and it made me think. Gee, this would be a good device. And and as we've said, there is this overlaid um, storyline of the fact that they're both being interrogated by the police. Obviously, uh, right. and which isn't isn't ever really explained. No. At this so point, at this point, we know something happened to someone. We know that this interrogation is some point in the future. Um, but we don't know when and we don't know what happened to this person and all that. So that's the extra, I suppose, layer of, of mystery that will, will unfold. But it also made me think, you know, this device, if well done, because um, I can imagine you could do it in a really heavy-handed sort of way, um, would also work well with mysteries because, you know, a lot of the sort of, you know, crime thrillers rely on people's recollection of events and, and that sort of thing. So... Mm -hmm. um, uh, I just think they do it really well here because of how subtly it's done as well, that it's not, you know, sometimes they're quite obvious things, but, and you have mm -hmm. to, as a viewer, you have to pay attention because uh, sometimes mm -hmm. you are seeing the same scene and you have to, re you know, it's remembering what were they wearing, what happened, who said what. So you actually have to, within the episode, uh, you know, have that, your antenna tuned to, and, and once after, I think after a couple of episodes, you get into the habit of doing that. So the first episode, yeah. you sort of caught a little bit off um, off guard. And I found as the episodes went on, I was thinking, okay, I'm paying attention to this because I know that when I see it from Alison's point of view or when I see it from Noah's point of view, there will be something different about it. And it's almost like a um, one of those spot the difference puzzles, you know, where you have two mm -hmm. two pictures side by side. And I'm sure it's something you could go back and, you know, re-watch scenes and there'd be a whole lot of you know subtle things that you you probably haven't picked up yeah well there would have to be absolutely um like i say there's always three sides to every story there's his side her side and the truth <laughs> so i wonder if we ever get to see the actual truth because really um usually it's noah's side and then we see uh, her side do we ever get to see what actually happened side i wonder well it's a I suppose I, I would I would say uh, because I'm not a believer in the fact that there's 
any authentic truth in anything, that's irrelevant because there is no independent observer in, in life. You know, it is your version or my version. There is no one to tell us what really happened, if you like. There is only your version and my version. So I quite like that about it. It's not uh, – and, and maybe there will be at some point, but uh, I, I certainly think that um, I would say there are only two versions of things. There's your version and my version. <laughs> What about what about what about God? Um, God doesn't exist, so who cares? <gasps> Interesting enough. On um, and this is kind of not spoiler at all. Well, maybe it is because I haven't seen it. Well, but God doesn't exist. Cover, oh my God! You just spoiled my whole life. Yeah, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> God ain't real. Um, on the cover picture, it shows Noah and Allison in the water. This is the affair, and it's yes. very cool-looking photo. But she doesn't swim. No, ever. no, I know. I, I, I was. Interesting. I, he swims, but she doesn't. Yes, and I was. So what is she doing in the water? I was thinking that that was imagery because I was expecting that to be an image from the, um, you know, maybe the opening episode or something. But I think it's more a um, metaphor for them, you know, getting in deep water. Mm, mm. Well, maybe. And and maybe even though she doesn't be. swim, she could stand up in the water. If you want to be pedantic. Maybe he drowns her at the end. Maybe. Except we know she's at the police station some years in the future. So <laughs> after, after that, ah. <laughs> um, I, I can't help but watch it and think that he looks so much like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, you mentioned that. I don't see that myself, but I know your obsession. Are you serious? Your obsession with... Like JCVD. You've seen that movie, Yeah. Right? You don't think he looks identical to him? No. Okay. No, um, and, uh, I will trust you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to challenge that uh, assessment. I know how obsessed you are with um, Jean Claude. So, if anyone would pick it up, it would be you. So, there you go. I, 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 I have to say, my my issue was I had to spend the first. Um, it wasn't long. 10 minutes, um, mm-hmm. getting over Ruth Wilson not being Alice from Luther. And when uh, she first meets the family in the restaurant and there's a scene where the, when the child coughs up the, the marble and she picks it up mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's creepy. Oh, she's creepy. She's going to do bad things. <laughs> <laughs> I got over that. And she's wonderful in this, honestly. I just... Um, uh, yeah, I think I think she's. It's a great it's a great cast overall, and it's wonderful to see Dominic West back again because he he really hasn't been. I think he's been doing theatre in England. I don't know what that's a euphemism for, um, but uh, I think he's do, been doing the splits between two Volvo semi trailers. <laughs> well, I'd never have seen Dominic West and Jean Claude in the same room together. So look, who knows? Oh, um, so there look, you are. Um, Watch the affair. It's um, they've already renewed it for a second season, which is interesting um, because it has, you know, it it smells like it's ten ten episodes this season. It smells like something that should be one season to me, but you know who knows. Um, it's obviously this this fact that the overarching story is set some years in the future does give it that room to. You know, keep keep going. Um, but I was a mm-hmm. bit surprised when I heard there was going to be a second season because I thought it was sort of a um, a one-off thing. But obviously not. And look, I'm certainly going to watch the rest of this season um, because I, I'm both, you know, I'm enjoying the story and I'm fascinated with this format of storytelling. 
Yeah, me too. I it, 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 if it wasn't for the way that they tell the story, the story's not that great to begin mm. with. So it's it's interesting. It's a new. It's something new and fresh and interesting and cool. And you should at least watch the first few episodes. It's on Showtime. Um, I don't know. It would be great if if it was on Netflix, but I don't think it will if it's Showtime, right? No, they don't. That's how that works. Yeah, it might be on Amazon. Who knows? It'll be it'll be around um, somewhere. Apparently, the first episode was available on YouTube. Oh wow! In October, so I don't know if it still is or not. But yeah, check check out the affair on Showtime. Uh, you will like it. I guarantee it. If not, you get your money back. Now, <laughs> speaking of another show that really wasn't on, not really on our radar, and to me, I kind of got thrown off by the title because I, you know, it wasn't really that interesting. And it's a show from the BBC, also plays on Stars Network called. The Missing. My son was taken. I've lost everything and everyone I ever cared for. It's been eight years now. It's time to leave the past where it belongs. I came back. Same room. Before you should know why. I found something. Yes. Now, the missing is a uh, is a ten part. Yep. Not even something like that. A ten part series uh, that started in Britain, and it follows the story of a mother and a father, mainly the father, um, played by James Nesbitt, after they lose their son. Their, their son is stolen from them, um, kidnapped presumably um all we know is that he goes missing and the story plays out in present time and it takes place eight years ago and eight years ago is when the child goes missing james nesbitt's uh character tony becomes obsessed with finding his lost son so we sort of start with them eight years ago when it happens everything that sort of plays out the police uh mean the, the police detective that's brought in uh is introduced to him and he's brought in especially for this case, uh, Julien Baptiste, uh, to investigate what's happened and to work with the family to try and figure out what's what's going on. But then we also follow Tony in the future, present day. Um, eight years later, he returns to the same small, it's a small town in France where this has taken place, a little village. Uh, he returns to the village to continue to look for his son, and we find that he's become consumed with finding his son and he's lost everything his home his job his his wife is is gone and and moved out um and and these sorts of things and it's it it becomes quite obvious that he's not welcome there anymore that certain things have happened in the past that have made it not a pleasant place for him to be um and that people are sort of fed up with with him being there but he's not giving up. And even though there's nothing for him to really go on at the beginning, he's still there pounding the pavement. He's wore out his welcome, as it were, uh, and trying to find out. We follow his wife as well, uh, who present time is now remarried, and it goes on about that. And we don't really know why or what happened. And as the episodes go on, you sort of um, are sort of shown what happens. Um, Some really interesting side stories with some detectives and the press, uh, a reporter, and uh, and where that goes. 
it's currently airing, so I, I haven't seen all the episodes, um, but I think I've seen four, five uh, episodes of The Missing, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. What did you think, George? Well, I've seen all seven that have aired so far, so that probably gives you an idea of what I thought of it. Really liked it. Uh-huh. Um, now, again, it uses this uh, uses a, another device, if you like, to tell the story of current time and um, uh, past time, which we probably saw most famously used this year in True Detective, which was set, you know, 18 years apart. Um, Look, as I've said before, I love a good mystery, and I particularly love a mystery which is mysterious, uh, which you don't, you know, often, and particularly in the the time of procedurals and that, often with things resolved in 44 minutes, uh, often not a lot of mystery. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Broadchurch and the American remake Grace Point, and I really had enjoyed um, Broadchurch. Um, this is, I suppose, it, it's got a similar flavour for me in that you don't know uh, what's happened or who's done it. Um, the difference being Broadchurch is a lot about... Um, uh, red herrings and quite obviously telegraphed. Uh, you know, each each week almost there's a another very obvious person you think is the suspect in a young boy's death, and, yeah, the, and the killing kind of did and that. And the killing, too. and so it's it's almost like a um, unsubtle noir structure. So it goes sort of like, oh, it's that person over there, and you get invested in it being that person, and then by the end of the that that week's episode, it's not that person. This is a lot more subtle in the way it's unfolding things, uh, so that as the little bits of information you're getting both from the present day and particularly the past of the people involved in the story, not not all of whom are suspects either, but it's piecing together the overall story, um, are, are a lot more subtle. So uh, even as you're getting to learn more about what might have happened, uh, the storytelling is bigger than that too. As you said, there's a number of characters um, that you're getting uh, getting to know. Uh, there's obviously also the central characters, um, James Nesbitt character being the main one of, of what's happened to him, what happened to his relationship with his wife, because you see it in the present day, as you said, when she's... She, you know, she's remarried. She's still deeply affected by the event, but has been... has, has moved into a new relationship... Um, and he's obviously in, entirely frozen uh, in time around the disappearance of his son. Um, I think it's really great storytelling and, and a great telling of um, of a mystery. So it's um, it's really had had me hooked in. Um, I th- I'm you know I can't wait. I, I'm not sure what's what you're going to find out. <laughs> you know, like I don't know how it's going to end at this point, and I love that about mm-hmm. it. Look, James Nesbitt, I've been a huge fan of um, uh, for a long time. He's uh, one of those, you know, a very versatile English actor. A lot of uh, certainly a lot of my friends know him from the uh, relationship drama Cold Feet, uh, that was very popular certainly here in Australia a few mm. years ago. But he's been in. He was mm-hmm. in a great uh, series called Jekyll about. Uh, Jekyll and uh, mm-hmm. Hyde, uh, and the TV movie Bloody Sunday, and currently starring as a Hobbit in the interminable number of films about the Hobbit. Um, <laughs> and he's great. Which Hobbit? Is oh, he? you know that the third one from the left. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. No, the oh no, he's not a Hobbit. Sorry, he's a dwarf. No, he's, he's a, a dwarf. dwarf, not a Hobbit. <laughs> um, that's beside right. the point. He does well at playing himself in the past and in the present day uh, and looks looks quite different. Um, 
which I think is really really well done. And um, yeah, I'm look, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's um, I suppose the other parallel with with Broadchurch is it's set in this very small French village compared to an English village, uh, but, you know, where people know each other and there are a lot of connections. And um, But there's some mm. great characters you'll see is if, you, if you keep watching, Ryan, um, that they their paths cross with. And I love finding out. Again, it's about perception and memory and, uh, you know, someone will do something in the present time and you think, oh, why would they do that? And then the next episode you find out what happened to them eight years previously and you're like, oh, okay, now I see why she did that. Um yeah. So that way of, of letting you find out bits about the characters and that uh, rather than a linear, you know, storytelling and someone having an exposition dump, I really like that because it makes you think and it make it challenges your own perception of the characters. So someone who's initially unsympathetic, you know, may become sympathetic when you find out about their past or, or when you find out where they ended up in the future. So, um, I, yeah, highly recommend it. If you love a good mystery, um, yeah. I would I would really say get on to this one. It's um it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, if you like the fall, if you like um uh, Happy Valley, you're going to love this. I mean, it's it's in the same vein. It's really well done. One of my favorite actors um and I don't know how to say his name, Saeed Takamawi, Takamawi. Um you might remember him from Three Kings. Yes, a wonderful movie. He was the guy this is dumb in my friend. What the fuck is wrong with Michael Jackson? Why <laughs> huh? come here? Michael Jackson with the white glove. <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, he's awesome, and I, I really like him in here. He plays a, a great role. Um, but to me, the best was um, Ken Stott. He plays Ian oh, Garrett. Isn't he wonderful? Um, the, the, oh, God, he's so good. Just watching those scenes that are like, oh, he's so yeah. good. You hate him so much. He's so good. Um, that last uh, the last episode as I was five, and I know we can't really talk about it to spoil yeah. it, but him and his wife and how that's all oh. revealed, and at the end, and then you're like, oh damn, now I yes. see how that's going to play yep. out. Um, just really smart, really really good. Um, that creepy uh, that creepy guy, Jason. Oh Fleming, yes, I think yes, is, is the yes. Actor. Does such an amazing job of being a creep. Yes, um, but but not unsympathetic as well. And or, I think that's the. Uh, sorry, oh. no. Uh, uh, Titus uh, von de, de Voigne is yep. his name. Uh, he's a uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, not at all. You're absolutely right. Um, I had a little bit of trouble with the jumping between times, figuring out who was who. Um, like it took me a while to figure out that his wife was remarried to the somebody else. Yep somebody that we already yeah. knew i didn't get that for like four episodes oh, okay. um so it, it, jumping around a little bit was kind of confusing then they'll introduce characters out of the blue and you're like who is this person and <laughs> well i think it takes a while for that to un unfold look, this is uh and i was going to say both both with this and the missing because we talked about paying you know i talked about paying attention um that right they're appointment viewing. Sorry, I missed that. I wasn't <laughs> But they are appointment viewing. These are not shows you can have on in the background while you're, you know, uh, pinning new wallpaper patterns on Pinterest or, you know, whatever. It's – I don't know why I said that. I don't even have wallpaper. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. Well, um, probably. But they're, they're shows you've got to watch and pay attention to. They're very well um, – uh, set up for binge viewing, I think, um, because of that, because those of us who perhaps – 
have memory issues due to our age or short attention spans like you, Ryan, um, if you sit down mm. and watch a few episodes at once, that's when you can sort of cement in your head who's who and you don't have to have the frustration of sort of waiting from week to week to, to find out who that was and whether you need to remember them or not. But um, they really are shows that you, you need to sit down and pay attention to and I think I like that about them. They're demanding something of the viewer in the uh, telling of this story and what they're demanding of you is your attention and you have to pay attention to detail and, uh, as we said, with both of them using a particular device that you have to remember things uh, in, in the missing from the past and the present and, and from the affair from the different points of view. So it's not... Um, yeah, not something you can just have on playing in the background. Um, so pay attention, people. Uh, but both, you know, uh, like Pull yourself put yourself together. together. Put put down put down the phone or the tablet, um, and and pretend yeah. you're in a cinema or something. Uh, yeah, save up a couple and and watch them uh, in in a row. Uh, I have I started these after their their run had started, so I had the you know deliciousness of. Uh, you know, watching watching a run of of uh, you know four or five episodes at once, which was very good. Um, but yeah, this is this is great. And as you said, all the performances in this, um, both uh, from uh, I assume it must be like an English French co production. Um, there's some French actors in it. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. It, it was actually filmed in Brussels. Oh, okay. Maybe it was um, a mm-hmm. Belgium uh, English co production, but. Um, it, uh, and there are a number of, although there are some subtitled bits where people are speaking French, there are also scenes where people speak French and there's no subtitles. Um, Which I thought was interesting. And, and that sort of is because the character doesn't speak a lot of French, yeah. so he misses out on some big parts of the conversation. So you, the viewer, miss out yeah, on those parts Yeah, which I, well. again, and it's not done in a way that's annoying to you either, dear listener. So, um, and But it's a good device for talking about, you know, he's isolated, he's in a country he doesn't know and working with a police force, he, you know, is works in a different way and um, doesn't have the connections. Um, so that, that sense of isolation increases. Um, but really, yeah, give it, give it a, give it a watch because uh, I think anyone who likes a good mystery will love this. Absolutely, and anyone who likes British TV will like yes. this. Yes. Um, and finally, I wanted to touch upon another mystery, uh, and this time a podcast. And uh, I don't think it's our, our habit to uh, review podcasts. Um, and this isn't even a work of fiction. But it is the um, podcast everyone is talking about. It's become absolutely huge uh, over the last couple of months since it's been going. And that is a podcast called Serial. Now, I'm sorry, Ryan hasn't had a chance to um, listen to this yet. Uh, We might revisit when um, you have, Ryan, but I just wanted to alert people to it. If somehow you haven't heard about Serial yet, um, you should get onto it. Uh, Even if you're not a podcast listener, now I know you and I are both, you're a particularly big podcast listener, Uh, and this is a really interesting Mm -hmm. use of the format. Uh, It's a spin-off from a a podcast that's been going for, uh, oh God, uh, since the 90s called This American Life, and um, it's called Serial, and it's actually, if you like, it's a true crime. So it's a real story about a... um, a young woman called Haymin Lee who was um, murdered in 1999 and her um, ex-boyfriend 
Anand Saeed was arrested and jailed for the murder. And 15 years later, um, Sarah Koenig, uh, who's um, the narrator and one of the producers of, of this serial, is um, investigating the case, if you like. Um, so nothing, again, nothing startling about the format uh, or the or the basic story being told. What is different is is a couple of things. One is the format. So um, Sarah, ha- the show has access to things like um, uh, taped conversations, both from uh, police interviews and and um, phone interviews that were done during the original investigation. Um, Sarah, they, Sarah Connig speaks to Adnan, who is in, still in prison for the murder. Um, so there are regular conversations with him and she records her conversations with the various people she meets. Um, I think it's up to episode eight or nine at the moment. They haven't said how long the first this season will go and what will happen. Um, so again, it's it's an interesting thing because it's it's a great it's a a great mystery if you like in re-examining evidence of a case and you know did he do it? Didn't he do it? Could someone else have done it? But you also keep coming up against the fact that this is a real murder. There was a real young woman who was murdered and. Um, a real person who's in jail for it. So there's that sort of weird voyeuristic element to it as well, that these are real people involved. Probably the thing that sells uh, and and makes it so compelling is is both the format uh, and the presentation style of Sarah Connig. She's the investigator, but she's the self-questioning... Um, investigator she's not a this is the evidence and it said x and y and now i'm going to follow it this way she's always questioning her own motivation for it the fact that you know she you know and she says to adnan at one point you know the reason she's kept investigating this is because she sort of likes him but at the same time she's continually questioning maybe he's just fooling her maybe you know his uh his claims of innocence aren't true um she has an absolutely incredible voice to listen to um she Mm. can read the phone book to me anytime uh and podcasts obviously as those listening right now will know are a quite intimate form of storytelling you have someone literally in your head telling you a story um and this is an amazing the story's not amazing. The story's actually quite mundane. Um, so it's sort of greater than the sum of all its parts. Um, there is, of course, the intrigue of, of what happened, what the evidence at the time showed, which seems to, you know, it seems to be quite flimsy. Um, and going back and looking at, well, you know, they sort of trying to pin down timelines and, and things. Uh, that's all interesting, but it's somehow it's the greater, you know, sort of sum of all that story being told and the way it's being told by Sarah Connick. So um, it didn't have an episode this week because of Thanksgiving. Uh, just go to – just Google Serial. It'll take you to the website uh, and you can you can listen to it anyway. Uh, you can listen normally to podcasts. There's a whole lot of supporting material on the website too, so various documents and that that are associated with the case are uploaded there. If you get really obsessed for it, there's a, you know, there's a whole universe in Reddit who's become obsessed with, with investment investigating it as well um it's yeah it's definitely worth your listen wow that <laughs> sounds really good i mean i i like her i've, I've heard her you know she's been on this america life a long time um 
And she always does really great stories. So I, I'm interested to listen to it. Um, I don't always listen to this this American Life just because sometimes it can be heavy. Mm. Um, and a lot of times I'll put, especially nowadays, I'll only put on a uh, podcast when I'm going to sleep, which means I last about mm, 15 minutes and then I'm sleeping. So <laughs> um, I miss yeah. most of it and then I don't go back and listen. So it's it's one of those things like are they an hour long or uh, they vary no they're shorter than that 30 or 40 minutes i think okay. um off, off okay, the top good. of my head um i i find myself getting distracted by just the the sound and rhythm of her voice sometimes i've actually re-listened to all the podcasts since it started which says something uh, maybe that i wasn't paying attention yeah. the first time but also that the way maybe. they're structured is quite um what's the word there's not a um uh, a li- it, often each episode will take a, an aspect of the case or, or char- character, they're actually people, Jules, uh, to look at. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I need to go back after I've listened to a, a, a more recent one. Um, so, yeah, look, really, if you haven't listened to it, again, if you love a mystery, um, this is a mystery. And I think the interesting thing is... Um, it's unlikely to have a resolution. Like it's un- at this point, uh, you know, Sarah Connick obviously doesn't have the real killer locked in her basement unless she's the real killer. Um, <laughs> but right. it's so it's not about necessarily. It's not one of those we're going to find uh, the evidence that sets Anna free. I mean, unless someone comes forward and confesses, there's no DNA evidence in this case to be retested and things like that so it's not a and and that's not a spoiler because i think that's quite evident from the beginning this is about re-examining this whole thing but it is about memory and i mean can you imagine what it's like uh you know going back to speak to people about things that happened 15 years ago i have no fucking idea what i was doing 15 years ago i'd be lucky to tell you what job i was in 15 years ago let alone what i was doing on a a um a a friday afternoon between 2 and 4 30 and even when they go back to look at the trial documentation and and the interviews that were done um after because she disappeared and her body was found a couple of weeks later um you know, even then, to people who were interviewed around the time of it, you, you're talking to, a, and a lot of these kids were in their late teens, um, and even then you say to someone, well, where were you at 2.30, you know, three months ago on a Friday? Um, and, right. and that may, it makes you think about how much of our, you know, sort of criminal justice system often relies on memory and, again, coming back to things like the affair, which, of course, always come from our own point of view. And you get that in Serial because different – Sarah speaks to different people and their perceptions of people are different, their perceptions of uh, relationships and, and uh, incidents – uh, are different because of both memory and time. So really both the shows we've talked about, you know, The Missing, which deals with time, and The Affair that deals with, you know, perception and point of view uh, so, are sort of encapsulated in serial as well. Um, and it, it really had me thinking, like, oh, my, you know, okay, Jules, pick a month. Let's just try and pick a month 15 years ago. <laughs> sure, like take something like, okay, do you remember when O.J. Simpson was driving his Bronco through the streets and you saw that on TV while it was happening? 
then what did you well, do? Ex- exactly. <laughs> right after that, where yeah. did you go right after yeah. you saw that on TV? Eh, not going to yeah, remember. It's, it's... Let, let alone, you know, what somebody was wearing or, you know, and, that and sort of And so thing. there's some, you know, there's sort of some examination of that. And even then trying to pin down things with records, there's a whole thing about trying to find out whether there was a, a, a public pay phone outside a Best Buy store. And, and it's incredible that you think something that seems so basic that they can't even find out whether that actually existed or not. And, and yeah, right, so right. It, it's, it's also about <laughs> records and, about, you know, um, again, coming back yeah. to this idea of how hard it is to pin down any, any truth, even about, um, about things that aren't subject to perception. There obviously was a phone there or there wasn't. Um, so yeah. all that stuff. So, look, it's a wonderful serial. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in terms of, you know, the meta level of it is this is about real people. So what are the ethics around that, um, uh, the mm-hmm. ethics? around the fact that this is is again uh interrupting people's you know they're going back to talk to people who you know this happened 15 years ago they've moved on from that um the the young woman who who was murdered han min lee her family have chosen they're aware of the series but they've chosen not to be uh involved with it whereas uh, anad's uh, family have had some involvement in it so you know there's there's ethical issues there's been some criticism of sarah because um you have han min lee who comes from a um a, Viet- a vietnamese immigrant family anad's from a uh a I'm going to forget now. I think it's an Indian Muslim family of immigrants, and Jay, one of the other main um, people involved with this, and a friend of Anad's is uh, African American. And so there's been, you know, uh, a lot of questioning around wh- what has Sarah missed out from of because you know she's a white woman going into this without an awareness of the subtleties and the interactions between, you know, these communities and knowing what the culture is and and how that affects her storytelling. So there's a whole lot of meta conversation going on about the storytelling as well, which um, is, is fascinating. Um, so, uh, look, lot, if you get into it, there's so much. There are now podcasts about the podcast. So there's um, other people doing, I think there's one through Slate.com uh, website uh, who are doing a weekly podcast about the podcast of the week of Serial. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. it's cool. everywhere at the moment, and um, I'd recommend you give it a listen. Very cool. That sounds like fun. I will listen, and I will report back to you um, after I have done so. Fantastic. Well, that's all I have for this week. That's all I got for this week, too. So um, hopefully our recording turns out okay. It may have been a little bit of a funky... Uh, Something happening in the middle oh, yes. there, but uh, hopefully Te- we uh, don't have to go and re-record Technology everything. failed me, I'm afraid, dear listener, but hopefully... Hey, guess what we're uh, reviewing next week? The Nick, finally, I think. Yes? Yeah, two two uh, period pieces, The Nick and a TV show called Peaky Blinders. Yes, yes. Have you I've, heard of that? I've started watching it, don't you worry. Oh, I haven't. I haven't seen uh, either of them, so I'll have a lot Peaky of Blind is particularly week. notable. It stars Cillian Murphy and Tom Hardy and his lips. Oh, so, uh, yes, two with And The Nick, uh, which is a Steven Soderbergh-directed show, which I am absolutely, talk about, obsessed with and pimping out at every occasion. So, again, another wonderful two series that I can't wait to introduce you to. 
Brill. Brill, wonderful. High five. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, drop us a line if you liked it. Uh, drop us some questions. We will be having an end-of-year awards listicle, some sort of um, discussion of the shows we've loved and reviewed and those we've hated and disdained over our first year of TV Chinwag. And we hope to do the Chinny Awards this year sometime before the end of the year, too. So let me know when you have all that organized. (laughs) Yeah, sure thing. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, bye. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.